0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Dude, Pastor Dennis, man, I didn't know you had gone Hollywood on us like that, man. I didn't know, man. Ne- ne- next thing we know, you can get up, move to California, start an acting career, you know, and just do the whole thing. Um, but, uh, man, that's cool. Hey, I got the honor today to introduce you to the newest member of Glad Tidings, Ivy Ray Howell. Come on. Born Thursday, July the 7th at 2.51 p.m., 8 pounds, 5 ounces, 20 and a half inches. Uh, mama and baby are doing great. And uh, daddy is doing good with a full heart and happy. I got some sleep last night. Come on, somebody. Um, and uh, I mean, we are just blessed and honored uh, to, Father, two beautiful, beautiful girls. And uh, thank you so much, church, for your prayers, for your support, uh, the kind text messages and the food, everything. We just want to say thank you. It is an honor to raise our daughters in a great family of God, a great church. Uh, And I'm excited for them to grow up in this community, to learn the story of Jesus here, to encounter the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit here. This is a good church, amen, for a family to be raised. If you believe it, say amen. Hey, we're in week one of our new sermon series called, uh, uh, called Summer Gains. I wonder if there's any weightlifters in the room. Uh, I, I know Pastor Gabe's been working on his weightlifting, you know, looking look and buffer. And, and if, if you're a weightlifter, listen, uh, you know what summer gains are. Summer gains, you get to have a little bit more rest You get to start eating the right food, you increase your training, and you make progress to where when you go into the summer one way, you come out of the summer bigger muscles, a little stronger, a little more ripped. You know, I I, I love working out, you know, so I'm working on getting ripped and I'm being facetious. I, I like working out my hand. About the only thing that's growing is this right here. Uh, I was, uh, you know, it's just, just this is part of it. But summer games. But, but I, I, I don't want to just uh, uh, be intentional with my physical health. I want to make sure that this summer, that that I'm not coasting in my life spiritually. But I'm actually saying this summer, I want to walk out of the summer stronger spiritually than when i came in i don't want to to put the 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 the, the, the car in neutral and just sit back and relax spiritually through the summer no i want to go into the summer put the car in drive and say man i want to come out of this summer stronger with a better mental health better attitude more life transformation i want to come out of the summer looking more like jesus anybody this morning, want some summer gains in your life. And, and, and summer gains is, is really about this, that when you focus on the right things, you're able to get the right gains. And when we focus on the right things spiritually, we're going to start seeing gains happen in our spiritual health and our spiritual life. And, 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 and this summer, man, we're going to be focused on, on, on getting stronger spiritually. You know, the summer can be an easy time to just sit back, relax. The kids are out of school. We're just going to kind of get to August. But maybe we change our mindset this summer. Instead of just getting there, man, let's, let, let, let's be intentional with where we're going to be in a couple, a couple of months. See, the key to summer gains in your spiritual walk with the Lord is prayer. And so this sermon series on summer gains is a sermon series on prayer. Why do we pray? What happens when we pray? And, and then next week and the week after, we're going to be getting into specifics like, like how do we actually pray? And I'm going to actually be able to share next week on on how I personally connect with God through relationship and and contemplative prayer and and, and how God speaks to me. And and I want to give you some some very practical things for how you can connect with God in your prayer life. And and we're going to intentionally grow this summer in prayer. Uh, I want to start us off with with a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. He says this about prayer, Satan would have us increase even in the Bible knowledge, I believe, as long as we keep from prayer. Prayer, which is the exercise of the instruction we have received through the word. What use is deeper knowledge if we have shallower hearts? What use is greater standing with men if we have less standing with God? What use is personal hygiene if we have filthiness of the mind and of the spirit? What use is religious piety if we have soul carnality? What strut with physical strength if we have spiritual weakness? Of what use is worldly wealth if we have spiritual poverty? Who can take comfort in social popularity if he is unknown in hell? This is what he says. Prayer takes care of all of these spiritual maladjustments. Prayer is the key to having strong spiritual health in our life. May we not just grow in deeper knowledge at the sacrifice of deeper power. I want you to know this today. Deeper prayer leads to deeper power and 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 we all want to be full of the power of the holy spirit we all want to walk in the power of the holy spirit why because acts 1:8 says it's the power of the holy spirit that makes us the witness of jesus but if we're going to be better witnesses if we're going to have greater power we got to say i want deeper prayer I want my prayer life at the beginning of August to look better than it looked at the end of June. I want my prayer life. I want to have some summer gains in my life. Now, in Luke chapter 5, there's an interesting little, uh, little passage. It says this, that despite Jesus' instructions, the report of Jesus' power spread even faster. Vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Notice this, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus, Son of God, God incarnate, God in flesh, withdrew often in prayer. See, Jesus in all aspects of our life is our model for how we are to live. I've I've, I've heard it said before, even though Jesus wasn't a Christian Christian, Uh, Because he's Christ, right, and to be a Christian is a follower of Jesus. He is the the epitome of what a Christian is meant to do, look, and be like. And Jesus is our model that how he prayed, we should pray. How he lived, we should live. And the key to Jesus' power was his communion with the Father. And he maintained this communion through prayer. See, the people were attracted to the power that Jesus was displaying. But notice this, Jesus knew that the key wasn't in the power, the key was in retreating to prayer. And in John chapter 5, Jesus actually makes a grand statement. Jesus in John chapter 5 says this, the son, speaking about himself, he says the son can do nothing unless he first sees the father do it. And he's speaking here to the communion that he has with the Father. That, that he is so in touch with the Father that he says, listen, I'm not going to go there unless God tells me. I'm not going to do that unless God tells me. Why? Because if I'm not seeing him do it, I don't want to do it. And and Jesus was in tune with the Father through a lifestyle of prayer. And it's my desire that this would be true for us today. May we do nothing outside of a life-filled prayer with prayer. And I want to ask you this question today, that if Jesus needed prayer in his life to do and be who God called him to be on the earth, how much more do you and I need a life filled with prayer to be and do what God has called us to do? See, God calls us to do, to, to do great things for him, to bear witness of Jesus. But it starts with prayer because deeper prayer then leads to deeper power. We, we, we all want the deeper power part. We all want the, the, the ability to have spiritual gifts. But can I encourage you today and just tell you today that it starts with a lifestyle of prayer and modeling that lifestyle after Jesus. Sometimes we go, well, you know, uh, uh, I I don't have to maybe pray uh, as much because, you know, I I just got the faith that he's going to do it. Can I just let you know that if your lack of prayer is not, your lack of prayer is not faith, your lack of prayer is pride. Because where there is an absence of prayer, it shows a presence of pride. I'm going to say it again, and, and, and that hits hard. God has been speaking to me on that, and I'm going to preach it. Because if I can preach from my weakness, we're going to get fed. But an absence of prayer shows the presence of pride. Because what is prayer? Prayer is humbling ourselves under the authority of God. And sometimes we go, well, yeah, I don't need to pray. I I got this. And when we don't pray, it shows the presence of pride. Because in essence, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I don't really need you in on the little details. I don't need you in on this part of my life. I got this. Sometimes we, we pull a George Lopez and go, I got this. I got this. And prayer is this, is this reformation where we go, God, I don't got this. You got this. You got all the world in the palm of your hands. And, Lord, I need you in my life. You see, prayer is our declaration of dependence on God. And where there's an absence of prayer, it reveals a presence of pride in our life. Why are we not praying anymore? Because potentially we think that we got it. But if Jesus had power, but he needed to retreat, to return for prayer, how much more do we need to be intentional with our prayer time with the Lord? You see, Jesus' dependence on the Father, it shows the humility of his life. In fact, in Philippians 2, Paul's writing about, uh, he's writing to the church at Philippi to, to, to be humble people. And he uses the example of Jesus as the reason for us to be humble. He says, for Jesus, God, he, he, he humbled himself, took on the position of a slave and became a human. And he came and he died a death that he didn't deserve so that we could inherit what Jesus deserved. And he lived a humble life in right relationship to God. And if he was humble and he was dependent on the Holy Spirit to, be, to keep in communion with the Father, we must live humble lives that keep us in submission through the power of the Holy Spirit in communion with the Father. Jesus said the Son can do nothing unless He sees the Father do it. And Jesus was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit to lead him in the will of the Father. See, and this is the type of dependence that God wants for us. That Jesus not only becomes our model for how we are to to live our life in righteousness and truth and love, but he becomes our model for how we are to pray. How we are to walk in relationship with God. So today we're going to look at three things about what prayer does for us. Why do we need to pray? I think sometimes we don't pray because we don't actually see a reason to pray. And if we're honest with ourselves, there, 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 there's really two types of people. There, there, there's a people that that when everything is going really good, uh, I mean, they, they, well, I don't really need God. Everything's going good. But the moment things turn south, we turn to God and, and we start praying. Then the other side is, is that, I mean, when things are good, we're at church, we're walking right, we are we're, we're, we're surround good people. But the moment a little turmoil or a storm comes, we, 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 we stop leaning into the Lord and we turn our back from the Lord and we say, God, why is this happening to me? But prayer is not meant to be dependent on our seasons. Prayer is meant to be a lifestyle that we walk in today. So here's what prayer does for us. Point number one, prayer refocuses us. Can you say that? Prayer refocuses us. Jesus, and the Sermon on the Mount, he's... Talking on prayer, and uh, he's speaking to disciples, and he actually is saying, "Hey, don't don't pray like the religious people. They, they, they go out and 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 they're out in front of the temple, and they 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 mark themselves up, and they throw, they they rip their clothes, and they're they're loud in their prayers because they want people to hear their prayers because they're not really concerned about prayer; they're more concerned about people looking at them. and And it's in this context that that that, that, that Jesus then says this in Matthew six verse nine. He says, "Pray." like this it's important Jesus saying pray like this our father in heaven may your name be kept holy may your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today the food we need forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one and, 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 and often and I, I've done it as well I, I think that when we take the Lord's prayer I actually prefer calling it the our father prayer because uh, in the Lord's prayer or in the our father prayer there is a request for forgiveness and we understand that Jesus lived without sin did not need to ask for forgiveness because he was perfect and so it's not really the Lord's prayer but it's the our father prayer so because it's being asked for forgiveness and, and, and in this uh, we, we often hear it preached as a formula, and and here's how we do, and here's the way we pray, and here's sort of the structure in which we pray. And and what what I really want us to see is that formulas are are sometimes good, but, but Jesus isn't trying to give us a formula, he's trying to teach us something about relationship, because prayer isn't a formula, prayer is about and is a relationship. And when we're praying, we're not conjuring up spirits. We're not, we're not trying to get a good vibe. Well, what's happening when we pray is we are communicating with the three persons of the Godhead. You see, often we think that God is like this energy and, and then we're, we're talking to some energy in the sky or, or the Holy Spirit is this energy and is this, this, this spirit. But I want you to understand that God is not an energy. God is three distinct persons yet one in which we call the trinity the godhead is god the father god the son and god the holy spirit each are three distinct persons yet are fully co-equal in the godhead and 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 and, and, and the trinity is 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 a person and we receive our personhood by being made in the imago day the image of god in him now, when we think a person in the English language, we say a person, we think of a physical body we think of like physical beings, and uh, though, though Jesus is, is has a body because he came to earth, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, God the Father does not have a physical body. He's not, you know, it, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a physical body. So when we think of a personhood, we're going, oh, so I'm, like, I'm speaking like this big guy up in the sky, and he's got a beard, and he's like this. And and, and, and honestly, it can kind of, because of the language barrier of understanding, uh, trying to understand in our finiteness the influence, of God, we, we go, well, I can't really have a relationship with this person. But just like we have a relationship with another person that we're connected with, you can have a relationship with God. Let me actually say it like this. And I really think that this is, is uh, the, the Lord is really moving in my heart last night on this one point. You don't hear anything else today. Listen to this. God wants a relationship with with you. God doesn't want a formula. He wants an actual living, breathing relationship. He wants a relationship. Like, like I remember when my wife and I were dating and we were getting to know each other. And as you get to know each other, the, the love grows deeper. But, but then when you walk through some hard times and you come out the other side of that relationship, walking through hard times, you have an even deeper love. Then you you buy a house, right? You, there's like this love. You're sharing these things together. And, and my, my, my wife and I, of our, our birth of our firstborn, uh, men, is, is uh, our love. I'm like, I, we, we can't love each other even more but then just Thursday we give birth to our second daughter and it's like man I love my daughters but my love for my wife in this relationship is getting even deeper and today is our seventh anniversary today and and our love is deeper now than it was then why because as I've walked in relationship with her our love has grown Deeper. And I want, to, I want you to, the Godhead wants a relationship with you. And Jesus is our model where, where he shows us that, 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 that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same spirit that kept him in communion and alignment with the Father lives in you. And the relationship that Jesus had on earth with the Father, you and I can have with the Godhead. Like that, that blows my mind. Like, that challenges me. That, that challenges my life. And in Matthew 6, as Jesus is bringing this teaching. on am say, Hey, pray like this. He's actually bringing correction for a religious spirit. And, and I, I want you to know this, that, 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 that there's nothing that kills a prayer life like a religious spirit. And Jesus is going like, these guys, the Sadducees and the Pharisees have killed the prayer life. Because they're all about the show. But yet Jesus in Luke 5 is operating in power, yet he retreats for prayer. He's operating in power, yet he says, I've I, I got to get along with, with the Father. And the context of Matthew 6 is Jesus talking about the prayer of the religious people. And he says, man, don't, don't be like that. Instead, pray like this. What does he say? Pray like this. He's, the first thing he says is our Father. He says our Father. And the title Father is a title of honor, but it's also a call to relationship. See, can I let you know something today? That through your faith in Jesus, you do not come to him as a beggar. You come to him as a child. You don't come to God from the outside looking in, but through your faith in Jesus, he brought you from the outside, placed you into the kingdom and the family of God. And Corinthians says that we are now co-heirs with who? Jesus Christ. That we don't approach God as beggars. But how many of you know sometimes when we pray, we kind of pray as a beggar? I wonder what would happen if we understood that 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 the our Father prayer isn't about a formula, but it's actually about a relationship for how we relate to God and how God relates to us and how He desires to be known by us and us be known by Him and this Father Son and Father Daughter relationship where where we can approach Him not from the outside, not 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 from just 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 people that that were that were cast aside, but as children. of love God seeing the R actually doesn't he, he, what I love about our father is Jesus doesn't say hey you guys can pray to my father like this he says pray like this Jesus and imagine Jesus is sitting with the disciples and he says our father the relationship I have is the relationship you can have. Our, he doesn't say my father. He doesn't say Peter's father. He doesn't say Adam's father. He doesn't say Gabe's father. He doesn't say Ty says our father. I'm thankful because it brings insight to me that God isn't just the father of one or two children, but we are all in the family of God. And he calls us sons and daughters. And Hebrews says to come boldly into the throne room of our gracious God. Why? Because you don't come to God as a beggar. You come to him as a child. Our father is also a reminder that we're not our own. But rather we are under the authority of the Godhead. Our father is about approaching God with humility but also with relationships. I, I have different spiritual disciplines in my life and I have different ways that I pray I have I have uh, I, I pray the creeds maybe you could consider the creed uh, a formula and, and and there is that there are there are are rhythms I, I like the phrase rhythms better there's rhythms that we should pray we, we should pray uh, uh, there's prayer books you can pray there's scripture you should pray and these are great rhythms but can I encourage you that at the heart of the rhythm is a relationship and and we need to uh, you, you can approach God in this place of relationship uh, and it 's about th- that the rhythms actually help our relationship these rhythms actually help our relationship with with god and and, and prayer I, I, I think is I, w- I want to try to simplify it for our understanding today in this in this sermon, but but prayer is this is welcoming God into our current space and time because we know God stands outside of time right God he says, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the first and the last. So, so uh, what really blows my mind is God is at the beginning and he's at the end all at the same time. He desires to be welcomed into your current space and your current time. God desires to be welcomed into your current circumstance. I think honestly, I think sometimes the best prayer we can pray is an honest prayer to God for what we're facing and what we're walking through and what it is that's going on in our life. That is relationship. When I get home from a long day of work or or I I get home from something, uh, I'm going to sit down with my wife and we're going to talk about our day. That's how you build relationship. That's how we build relationship with God. God. See, prayer is welcoming God into your current circumstance, and he desires a relationship, this kind of relationship with you. And and I want you to see that the Father was welcome wherever Jesus went. Like, wherever Jesus went, the Father was welcome. And I I wonder what God could do in our life if he was welcome wherever we went. Like, sometimes I, I think we like God in certain areas of our life and to be in those areas, but not others. I was recently. I was swimming yesterday uh, w- w- with my daughter. Uh, we got home and uh, from the hospital, and Eva is her first time being at home with Ivy, and so she's coming in. And with ten minutes of her being home, she's like, "All right, Daddy, let's go swimming." And she loves to swim. My daughter loves to swim, and uh, it is it's fun. Um, but how many of you know, a three-year-old can swim a lot longer than, than maybe us grown-ups? And, uh, if, she, if I'd let her, she'd stay in the swimming pool from the moment it was light out till, till when the mosquitoes are biting her at night. Like she loves the pool, but, but she views our relationship through the lens of the pool. So, so she says, man, dad is spending quality time with me when he's in the pool. So dad, in essence, dad doesn't spend quality time with her. In her mind, when dad is outside of the pool watching her swim, she needs dad in the pool for a sense of, okay, now we're in relationship. Now, it's cute when she's three, but if she's 30 and she continues on that path, I want our relationship to grow beyond the pool. Like, I, I want her to eventually want to know who I am. I want her to know what I like. I want her to know the things that 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 I that I, I like in my 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 time at home. I want her to to begin to want to desire to understand me. I want her to know me beyond the pool. But I I, I think that many of us still are in the pool with God. Well, God, I I like you at church. I like you in the worship service. I like you in that style, or I like you in this and that. And and we've not yet moved on from the pool. And it's been five, 10, 15 years. We're stuck in the pool, and God's going, Hey, I, I want a relationship. Like we're called to mature in our life beyond the pool. We're called to eventually be able to sit at dinner with our parents and have a good relationship with them and talk to them about our day and talk to them about what's going on in their life. One of the greatest things that I love about being able to pastor here at Glad Tidings is the ability to be around my father and have a relationship with my dad beyond a father-son dynamic, but to actually get to know him and be with him and understand him and him understand me why because our relationship has grown we've we've exited the pool days and now we've entered into what a real relationship is about now the goodness of our god (laughs) is this is that he'll get home sometimes and say hey let's go in the pool he'll surprise us with the pool moments and i love the pool moments but you spend more of your life outside of the pool than in the pool. And God wants to walk with you in relationship beyond just the pool. Let's put this practically, beyond, beyond Sundays. God wants to walk with you in relationship beyond listening to podcasts. A podcast is not a substitute for prayer. Let me say it to my generation. God wants to walk with you beyond you just listening to worship music. I love worship music. But we have a generation of souls that allow the music to soothe their angry spirit and to soothe the things in their life. But yet, Pastor Jones, they've never gotten deliverance from the things. That's a word. God wants to free you, not just soothe you. And it's done in relationship with God. See, what prayer does is prayer refocuses us towards the things of God. It refocuses on things of God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 infamously says about prayer, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds uh, as you live in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? He's saying, take your focus off of what you're worried about and pray. Bring all your worries to God. Bring, there's nothing too little that you can't bring to God. There's nothing too big that you can't bring to God. Jesus said in, in the Our Father prayer, he says, pray like this, on earth as it is in heaven what does that mean God I'm worried on earth I know there's no worry in heaven would you let heaven's dominion invade my reality and come on earth as it is in heaven Jesus is teaching us in the our father prayer how to pray from heaven don't worry for anything, but pray about everything. Why? Because heaven has an unlimited amount of resources. Heaven has an unlimited supply. We serve the God of, on a, that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So when you're worried, pray. Why? Because you're going to shift your eyes from earthly circumstances onto heavenly provision. You're going to shift your eyes from earthly pain onto heavenly joy. You're going to shift your eyes from earthly circumstances and bondage to heavenly freedom. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, don't think about the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven. And when Jesus says, pray like this on earth as it is in heaven, he is giving us a a, a way of going, hey, when you pray, you're not praying from earth to heaven. You're praying from heaven to earth. When you pray, you're not praying to to, to simply receive freedom. You're praying from freedom. You're praying from the perspective of heaven. So that will change how we pray. It will change how we talk to God. It will change. We'll start talking to God as a child instead of a beggar. We'll start talking to God out of provision and out of peace and out of joy and out of hope because we understand God's God. We'll understand that, that, that He holds the world in His hands. See, Heaven's perspective is greater than Earth's perspective. And what prayer does, prayer refocuses us towards provision, towards peace, towards joy, towards the things of God. Point number two. Prayer reshapes us. It reshapes us. And in Philippians 4, what did it say? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So tell him what you need. But then it says, then thank him for what he has already done. So when you're praying, tell him what you need. But then get thankful in your life. You want to know it's really hard to be negative when you're thankful. It's really hard to worry when you're thankful. When you start to remind yourself and to thank God of what he's already done, it will give faith and hope for the present that he can do it again. So what does he say? Thank him for all that he has done. Now notice this. Then, then, right after you've prayed, after you've told God what you need, after you've thanked him, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for the promise that when we come to God in prayer, there is this this supernatural exchange of peace. And I just want to be honest with you. If you leave prayer the same way that you came in, you're not praying, you're complaining. If you walk into prayer, we're worried. You walk out of prayer, even more worried. You didn't glorify God, you glorified your problems. And whatever you magnify in your life is going to grow. If we, if, we, if we leave prayer unshaped, unchanged, I, I, I don't know if we've truly prayed. Now, there is an aspect of faith in prayer. I, I, there's moments I don't feel anything when I pray. There's moments that I don't, I don't hear God when I pray, but it's these rhythms of relationship that I can trust in. I, I, can, I, I can have a peace of mind of knowing God's got this. God has it all under Control. Prayer is about getting your eyes off of your problems and onto the problem solver. Prayer is about turning your worry into worship. Prayer is saying, No matter what I'm walking through, I'm still, even so, I'm going to praise you. Even now, I'm going to praise you. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, Jesus looks at his disciples. After, a, after a moments of ministry, he looks at the disciples and says, hey, we're going to go across, uh, across the lake. Get a boat. We're going to go. We're all going to go together. Just Jesus' disciples. And, and how many of you know that if Jesus says something, we can have hope that it's going to come to pass. But oftentimes, Jesus will tell us the destination, but he all, doesn't always fill us in on the journey. <laughs> we, we, we can, I, I can relate to that. But Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go across. And, and they're in this boat, and the story goes that, that a, a storm came, and the disciples start to fear for their lives. It, the, the disciples think they're in this boat in the middle of the sea, and they're going to drown. They're going to die. That is where they're at. And they're looking around. They're all probably helping, trying to make sure it, everybody's all hands on deck. We're not going to die with this. They're flipping the sails around. You know, They're doing this. They're doing that. They're throwing things overboard. And, and, and they're like, wait, hold on. Hold on wait, wait. There's 12 of us here. There was 13 in this boat when we got in the boat. Where's Jesus? And they're looking for Jesus, and it says that they found Jesus in the back of the boat, notice this, with a pillow on his head, or his head on a pillow. Jesus is asleep (laughs) in the middle of what the disciples thought was the end of their life. They run over to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, how can you sleep in a moment like this? don't you care that we're about to die? That's what they say. Mark 4, you read the story. Jesus gets up, doesn't respond to them. He looks at the winds and the waves and he says, silence, peace, be still. At that moment, the waves are calmed. And he looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? And I'm reminded that didn't Jesus tell them they're going on to the other side anyways, but yet when a storm comes, they, they freak out? Just because God's given you a promise and there's a storm in the way of that promise doesn't mean the promise is, is not still there. And Jesus, I, I, I love this quote from, from Bill Johnson because he, he says it like this. The reason Jesus was able to have the authority he had in the boat on the sea is because you only have authority over the storm you can sleep through. Either you got authority over the storm or the storm has authority over you. And and, and the writer of Mark is intentional with the detail. It's not an accident that he says Jesus' head was on a pillow. Now, listen, I've been sleeping at a doctor's office for three days, at a hospital for three days in downtown Orlando. Ain't nothing like a good pillow. (laughs) Nothing like my own bed at home. And, and and Jesus is in that moment, but because he was able to sleep in the middle, he was able to have peace in the middle of the chaos. It's not, I mean, when we're walking through difficulty, it's not ignoring the difficulty that we're walking through it's just partnering with a greater reality than the reality that we currently find ourselves in jesus had faith he was one of those he knew that that's where we're going there's going to be a storm that comes but it's okay and 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 when we pray for healing it's not denying that we're sick in our body we're not we're not we're not faking it we're just saying i'm partnering with a greater reality than that reality is in my body jesus already died for my sins he died for my healing and whether i receive it now or in glory i'm healed by the blood and the power of jesus and it's not ignoring reality we're just choosing to partner with the greater reality and prayer is just that praying from heaven praying from a greater reality than the reality that is simply in front of us if you believe it can you give jesus some praise this morning for the reality that we have in him see Jesus shows us that internal victory precedes external victory. Somebody needs to hear this today. That before God wants to change your circumstances, he wants to change you. Before God wants to change the landscape of your life, before you get the promotion, before you get that husband or that spouse that you've been looking for and praying for, God wants to change your heart, wants to change your life. God cares more for your character than your circumstance. God cares more for who you are than what you do. God desires you to be sanctified into the likeness of Jesus. He doesn't care about your personal security. He doesn't care. Like Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously. Everything that you need will be taken care of. God cares more about who we are than the circumstances we find ourselves in. Because God knows that he was, if he was to give you that blessing before you are ready, the blessing won't bless you. The blessing will destroy you. God gives us a promise. He gives us a vision of an oak tree. He gives us this grand vision for our life. He gives us this grand vision. But you want to know how he often, how he often uh, answers the, 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 the grand vision? Instead of giving you an oak tree, he gives you an acorn. And you got to steward this acorn. But within an acorn lies great possibility. Within an acorn lies an oak tree. But if God was to give you the oak tree, the oak tree would actually crush you because you have not gotten to the point in your character to be sustained. But he gives us an acorn so that as the acorn grows, we can grow. And and the acorn is our circumstances that are causing us to grow into the image of God. And God desires more for what he's doing in you than what he's doing through you. Can I just let you in a little secret? That's what relationship is. I looked at my daughter, one day old. And I looked at her, and I said, I am so proud of you. Like, I'm proud of both of my daughters. You want know the truth? They haven't really done anything for daddy. <laughs> but I'm proud of them before they ever do anything. Because at the core of relationships, I don't care what they do. I care about who they are because they're mine. God cares about who you are. You're his child. You're his son, his daughter. He's proud of you. Leonard Ravenhill says this (laughs) about prayer. Every time I read Leonard, I read Leonard, he's just it's convicting. <laughs> the band can start making the way up. He says, "A sinning man stops praying. A praying man stops sinning." He said, "A sinning man stops praying, but a praying man stops sinning." Why? Because prayer changes us. Prayer reshapes us. There's this supernatural exchange. As a father, I'm intentional with my daughters to spend time with them because I understand that through this relationship with them, that they're going to change. They're going to see good habits in me. They're gonna see bad habits in the world and good habits with me. And they're gonna say, I I wanna live like my daddy. And it's in this relationship that we are reshaped. Point number three is this, prayer refuels us. Prayer refuels us. See, the fire on the altar of your heart goes out as the prayer goes out. On the each of our heart, I want you to imagine there's an altar on your heart. I want you to imagine there's a flame that's burning on that altar. We get the image of this in Leviticus chapter six where it says, meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offering on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. You see, as it was the Levites' job to keep the fire on the altar burning at all times, so it is our job to keep the fire on the altar of our hearts burning. And I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. I don't know if the fire's burning bright now or the fire used to burn bright. It's God's job to light the fire, but it's our job to maintain the fire. And we maintain the fire of God on the altar of our heart through prayer, through relationship with God. It's God that marked us But it's our job to maintain the passion and the fire. We've had moments of encounter, moments of God lighting the fire in our hearts. But we were never meant to run off of a previous fire. We need to keep the fire burning in our hearts today. And prayer is how we keep the fire burning. Prayer refuels us. Pastor Gabe, I've, I've, I've never met somebody that's deconstructed because they prayed too much. I've never met somebody that's that's walked from the faith because they were so on fire with God in their prayer closet. I know plenty of people that have deconstructed in my generation because they were hurt. And instead of taking their hurt to God in relationship, they allowed their hurt to foster disbelief in their spirit. I just just read a a statistic this, this, this week. Gen Z, the generation underneath me, our middle schoolers and high schoolers, right now, Gen Z will be the first post Christian generation to ever live in America. The first post generation, post Christian generation. Like, we're, we're, we're kind of, we have a lot of cultural Christians now, there won't be any in their generation. What it shows me is somewhere, I'm going to get real with you for a moment, somewhere in our hearts, in the generations in this room, the fire went out and we had no fire to give Gen Z. Let me close our eyes. I just feel the Holy Spirit here right now. Saw the Holy Spirit speak to you. Say this after me. Say, Come, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Say it audibly. Say, Come, Holy Spirit. And just sit in that moment. God, somewhere along the way, we let the fire burn out on the altar of our heart. Lord, we don't want to leave the next generation coals, ashes. Lord, we don't want to leave duplicity. But Lord, we want the fire on the altar of our heart to burn bright. Search us, Holy Spirit. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about places maybe you've left on the altar of your heart where the fire is not burning bright. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I give it to you. Lord, let the fire burn again. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He can do more in a moment like this. approach God and worship come on he's your father he's a good father you just lift your hands and just praise him just say holy is your name father holy is your name father come on listen. just right here just you and him you're his child and just respond to him and praise him I don't know what your circumstances are but just praise him at the start of prayers worship at the start of prayer is glorifying him come on just lift up praise to him Yes, Lord, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. The word said, "For worry for nothing but pray for everything. Tell God what you need. Now right here, whatever you need, just tell him. Let's just model that this morning. Whatever you need, tell him. If you need peace, tell him. Say, God, I, I need peace. If you need strength, tell him. Say, God, I need strength. Come on, whatever you need, just tell him. Say, I need it, Lord. Now, why don't you do this? Why don't you thank him for all that he's already done? Come on, raise your voice this morning. Come on, and just thank him. He's healed you. He's saved you. He's turned your life around. Husband, sometimes your wife needs to hear you thank God for her. Why don't you just thank God for all that He's done? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.